MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 251. Let's it out to my sister-in-law who had a monumental birthday few a few days ago, earlier this week. She's now 20, give or take a few decades. So happy birthday to her. She doesn't listen to the podcast, I'm sure. So I, I could probably blurt out her age, but I won't do that. You never give away a lady's age. Thank you for coming to the show. We got the UFC back. And they're not just back, they're back in a big way with a very stacked and exciting, at least on paper, uh, fight night coming up this Saturday. We're going to break it down for you here. One half of the breaking down posse will be me, Jeff Chalks Fox. Thank you for coming to the show. As I said, uh, UFC has a big fight night. It's going down from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. So we're going to call it UFC Orlando, or you can call it UFC Tom- on ESPN Thompson versus Holland. So uh, we've got, as of now, I always say as of now, because fights seem to always like to fall through after we break them down. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine prelim fights to break down in this. <laughs> nine. Boy. We better start talking fast. Um, hopefully, if you're listening to us on anything other than uh, one-time speed, uh, hopefully we weren't talking too fast. But yeah, we got nine fights to break down on this card, on this uh, this episode, and then tomorrow we're going to break down six more fights on the main card. So they've really stacked this fight night up. So even if we lose some fights, even if we lose the main event, it's still it's still a pretty solid card. So let's bring in the my chuckling. Uh, half of, of the duo. Uh, maybe he didn't realize we had nine fights to break down and uh, that caught him by surprise, but it's uh, the Gumby God, Daniel Vreeland. Hello. No, I know I, they did. Uh, Cause I, I think I even mentioned when that main event yeah. fell off, it'd be like, it's a shame that none of those main card fights from Orlando were on this yeah, one because exactly. all of them would have been made better main events. Also, I, I don't know if you know this, this is kind of a fun fact. We talked about Brady. He stands uh, yeah. during it was the last event or two events ago. Yeah, it was last one, I think. It is nicknamed being Bam Bam. You know, yes. both the other Bam Bams are on this yep. one. <laughs> yep. We yep. got a Bam 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 Bam. We are. It's a Bam Bam <laughs> Slam Jam. Yeah. Um, that will be tomorrow's episode, though. There's no Bam Bams on today's episode. Oh, that's we just, true. We, we just got a Gordina and a Carpenter and a Menace and a Bone Crusher. You know, we, we got a lot of good nicknames, actually. Ray Adito. Uh, yep. Ray Adito, the Striped. Yes. Um, we, we got some good nicknames on this card on both the the main card and the and the prelims. So should be fun because that's what we're all about on this podcast. Even if we don't give you winning picks, we will give you fun nicknames. And a lot of times Gumby has the genesis of the nicknames too. I do. As usually. a bonus. Usually. Kind of <laughs> usually. So yeah, uh, enough chit-chatting. Eh? There's always like things that we, we could talk about, but we always, or these episodes are going to be long enough as it is. So soon enough though, Gumby, soon enough. Uh, two more events after this, and then we'll have plenty of time to talk about whatever we want to talk about because we'll the lull a, is coming <laughs> yes the one month off season is among is upon us but uh i haven't looked at the calendar yet and plotted things out but there are some non-usc events that i see are popping up um later on in december which is tomorrow already geez um so um i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about but anyhow 
we have plenty to talk about as of now. So let's get into this. UFC Fight Night or UFC and ESPN actually is what they're branding it. Uh, Thompson versus Holland. December 3rd, that would be Saturday, Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. Prelims on ESPN, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's what we're concentrating on today. And we're going to start off with the ladies. So we got a few female, actually we got three female fights uh, out of the nine on this card. And they're all pretty good fights. Starting with women's strawweight, Yasmin Uruguay. No, Uregue. Uregue is her name, right? War, Waregi, yeah. Is it War? I thought it was. I thought it was pronounced Waregi. Yasmin no, Waregi. Howregi. Howregi. Howregi, because she's she's Spanish, so the J is an H. Right. Okay. Yes. Howregi. Yasmin Howregi versus Estela Nunes, or is it Nunes? I think this one's Nunes, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Man. Anyhow, um, I'll tell you about Nunes first. Six and three with two knockouts. She's been submitted twice. She's zero and two in the UFC. She's not won a fight since July of 2018. So it has been a while. You only had, what, one child back in those days, right? In 2018? July 2018, you only had one child. That's I had how long zero, it's been. I had zero what, children. really? I had zero children in July The old boy wasn't, oh, well, very soon you were going to have one, right? I was, yes. I was a yes. month away. <laughs> okay. She used to fight at Flyweight, Nunez. Uh, she was 2-1 and one in one championship, the biggest promotion in the world. If uh, For all the one heads. Uh, that are listening in. We just broke down one championship. They have two events this week. We broke it down the last episode, our monumental 250th episode. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you listen to that. Gumby gives you some picks. And he's very good at guessing guessing what the lines were going to be because the lines were not out when we broke down that episode. So um, Nunez also uh, has done some pro Muay Thai. She's got an inch of height, two inches of reach on your reggae. Do, is that what we decided? How reggae? Y'all how, reggae. How, how reggae? I already forgot how reggae. How reggae? I think I've used her. I've uh, used her nickname as a alt. alt uh, or, sorry, I've used her last name as an alt title for one of her episodes. I think I may do it again. So anyhow, we're still talking about noon. So um, so she's taller. She's longer. Two inches reach. Despite going 0-2 in the UFC, she has outstruck her opponents by 1.39 strikes per minute. That's her strike differential. Plus 255 is the number on her. How reggae. I typed it on my screen, so now I know how to say it. Um, she's 9-0 with six knockouts, one known in the UFC, was a regional champ, used to also used to fight up at flyweight. She's seven years younger than Nunez. Um, we'll just check into that stat quickly. Fighters that are at least five years younger than their opponents are winning 63% of the time since I started tracking it this year. So pretty significant. Um, She's more active, landing strikes as well. She has outstruck her one UFC opponent by 1.33 strikes per minute. Grappling stats are in her favor as well, but we're basing this off of one fight for her. Uh, minus 325 for Ha Go ahead. So this one's easy. It's Ha uh, yes. Like uh, the, the UFC does this once in a while, and, and I think they're trying to do it a little bit next weekend too, which we'll, we'll talk about on on you know four shows from now. But they they do this thing where they they very clearly have a big public show and they want to showcase a fighter um Estela Nunes is 0-2 and last time out got beat by Sam Hughes who, who we've talked about you know not having the best record in the UFC and you know, I think she's yeah. now two two and four or something like that and one of her wins is Estela Nunes so like Nunes is has not looked good in the UFC and they're just giving her one of the best and brightest prospects they have at straw weight you have to imagine that this is a big live crowd. It's a showcase fight. Like, and there's nothing else to say because Nunez looks terrible on the mat. Her best at, you know, like her best attribute is her like Muay Thai striking. And she's one eighth of the striker is Yasmin Hauregi. So 
you know, like what avenue do you give Nunez to win? Like she might accidentally point fight how Reggie, if that was the case, how Reggie actually does have decent ground game. I've seen it in her, her regional fights. She doesn't use it very often, but it, it's there. And that would be if for some reason her striking took seven steps backwards and suddenly she wasn't as dangerous as a striker as she is. So yeah, this one's obvious. I'm kind of surprised it's only negative 325. That number is going to spike up. Only three. It's actually gone up a bit since I started breaking these fights down on Monday. It was it was in the 200s, I think, uh, at that point. High 200s. Um, yeah, I'm picking Harage uh, as well. Um, she's actually really good, right? She's a legit prospect. Yeah, she's, she's a legit prospect in my yeah. like that that fight she had in her debut. I, I almost feel bad uh, about her debut being against Yasmin Lucindo because Lucindo looks like a legit prospect too. Yeah. Um, and and it was, it's a shame that she didn't get off on a good fight like how Reggie did. But like now it seems like she's almost taken a step back to fight. Yeah, Nunez. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And, and it's got to be because she's young, right? Like it's got to yeah. be because she's, you know, she's nine and oh, she's Mexican. We've talked about how they like cracking into the Mexican market. She's 23 years old. Like they're just trying to make sure they bring her up the right way. So yeah, a good move on their part. And, and she should cruise pretty easily here. You know what else is a good move? Heading over to WinBet. That's a good move, Dan. Are you ready to win money? That's a good transition. It is a very good transition. I'm smooth. 251 episodes. And ready to win money and boost your odds. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Looking to get involved in the same game parlay? WinBet is your home with the WinBet Build Your Own Bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100. Win $100. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. So they know we sent you that, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 100-522-4700. Okay, moving right along to the men. We're going to move over to the male side and up a couple weight classes. Featherweight, Marcelo Rojo, who was a guest on the Top Shirt MMA podcast, interviewed by Mr. Gumby Vreeland this week, uh, versus Francis Marshall. So we've got Rojo. He's a pit bull, one of the many pit bulls um, in this sport. He's 16 and 8, 8 knockouts, 6 submissions, so he is a finisher. He also gets finished a lot. He's been knocked out once, submitted five times. 0-2 in the UFC, both of them via finish. He's not won a fight since September of 2019. Then you had one child, not two, though. That's correct. Right? That's okay. correct. Just getting my timelines right. Just trying to put this into perspective how long these people have been winless. Because um, everyone knows about Gumby and his kids. Uh, Rojo, 2-1 and one on The Ultimate Fighter, Gumby's favorite show. Actually, the whole household's favorite show, right? That, yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, used to fight at lightweight. Used to fight at bantamweight. He's been outstruck in his two UFC fights by 2.17 strikes per minute. That's a recipe for getting beat. Plus 140 is the number on him. Uh, we got the fire marshal up next. 6-0 with four submissions. This is his UFC proper debut. He went 1-0 in the contender series. Used to fight at lightweight. He's got inch high, inch reach on Rojo. 11 years younger than him. Striking stats in his favor. Uh, he's one and a half times more active landing strikes. And grappling stats are in his favor as well. But we're basing all of this off one contender series fight uh, where he outstruck his opponent by 2.4 strikes per minute. Minus 165, the number on Marshall. Marshall was one of those guys that opened our eyes on 
the contender series. Did you pick him or were you in on Connor Matthews? I can't remember. I was in on Connor Matthews. Yeah, so I, thought. Uh, it, I, I it really impressive win. Yeah, in in so it sounds like you're picking him. I'm not. I'm gonna, picking Marshall. Yes, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Uh, you so need to I, him. It, it, you know, first of all, props to you for remembering that we were high on him uh, coming into this because sometimes yeah, you forget. I remember he, he opened our eyes. I remember. Yeah, because you know he came into that fight, uh, and what I had seen of him on the regional scene was like this dude is all grappling. He looks like shit yeah. on the feet. He looks unsure of himself on the feet. And he came into that fight, and I think it was right after the B. Joe Piper speech. And he came in and was, like, just throwing, like, an excellent jab in, like, good combinations and just trusting his hands. And he looked amazing doing it. And he was shutting down Matthews' grappling attempt. So, like, we we know there's a really great grappler inside of Francis Marshall. And that's not even what he did to win this last fight. Now, the other reason I like him in this fight is Marcelo Rojo. While I really do like him, I think he's, first of all, a very entertaining interview. Drops more F-bombs than most people uh, altogether. And... He's a really good striker. The problem is, is he winds up on his back too much in fights. And if Francis Marshall just decides to go back to what has worked for him so many times in the past, which is his phenomenal wrestling and great top game, I think he dominates Marcelo Rojo here. I I think he makes Marcelo Rojo look kind of silly. So, yeah, I I like Francis Marshall quite a bit. I would also say, you know, Francis Marshall, like I said, he's going to have a lot of time on the mat. Marcelo Rose been a guy who's got finished a bunch of times with submissions. Have you ever seen look I mean look at the look at the run of of finishes that Francis Marshall had when he turned pro. Rear naked choke, rear naked choke, rear naked choke, decision, Ooh. rear naked choke. I'm just saying might be a prop worth looking at here. We got patterns, we got patterns. And um Rojo's got that top turtle stank on him so. All right. What do we got next here? We've got, we're going up a weight class, lightweights. Nathan Levy versus Gennaro Valdez. Is it Gennaro? I thought, I think it's Gennaro, right? I think it's Gennaro. Yeah, I think yeah, we got what, it. That's what I remembered. Okay. El Redito, the striped. Or does it's it mean actually, something else? It's, it does mean something else. It's a type of bird that's yeah, native. Yeah, I was going to say bird. Yes. Yeah, it's a type of bird that's native to Mexico, but it is a striped bird. So that's probably where Redito gets the name. Yes. Uh, 10 and one, seven knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out one time. So he's never gone to the distance by my math. Oh, one in the UFC got TKO'd in that fight. One and oh on the contender series. He's got inch reach on Levy, more active landing strikes. He was been outstrike over outstrike. Listen to me with my grammar outstruck over his contender series fight and his UFC fight by 7.79 strikes per minute. Uh, pretty rough. Plus 160, the number on him. Nathan Levy, 7-1 with three submissions, never been finished in a fight. 1-1 one one in the UFC, dropped his debut, won his next fight. 1-0 in the contender series, so that means he's gotten lost win. I mean, win-loss win, I guess that would mean, over his last three. Used to fight at featherweight, striking stats in his favor. He's outstruck his contender series and two UFC opponents by 0.22 strikes per minute, minus 195. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to surprise a lot of people here. Oh, I'm actually really? going to take Gennaro Valdez. Um which I, uh, when this first, this, this fight first posted, I was like, ah, you know, it's Levy all day here. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I've been really underwhelmed by Natan Levy uh, in his fights. E- even the ones he's won, I- I've been really underwhelmed. The, the fight with Mike Breeden, he got taken down a couple of times by Mike Breeden. Mike Breeden's mostly a striker, if I remember correct. Rafa Garcia took him down, and he wound up winning that fight with Rafa Garcia. But I don't know about you. I don't. I don't think of Rafa Garcia as this like dominant wrestler. I and don't while... think of Rafa Garcia. Period. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but like Gennaro Valdez, first of all, 
you know, didn't look good against Matt Frivola, but like he mostly didn't look good against Matt Frivola because Frivola wouldn't let him wrestle. And as we've seen now with Frivola against Atman Aziatar, he's got dynamite in his hands. Like the dude low key is like a great boxer. And when we saw Gennaro Valdez on the contender series, you know, he, he has hands of his own. And if you watched him in Lux or Kambache at all either, he, he's got great takedowns. He, he takes people down exceptionally well. So, like, if Levy had trouble take, with takedowns with some of those guys, I, I think with the plus money here on Valdez, it's at least worth thinking about playing him. You know, what, what did you have, Matt? Plus one, 150, plus 160? Uh, let me check the spreadsheet. Uh, plus 160. Yeah, like that that to me is worth a shot that like his grappling is actually as good as it was on the regional circuit. And and Levy hasn't shown enough for me to be like, nah, don't trust that regional guy. Like Levy's be- barely better than that anyway. Yeah, I'm taking Levy slightly better resume, a better prospect, but there, there's no shame in uh, Valdez getting getting housed by Matt Favola in, in his debut. So this one is, uh, is a toss up basically. So no... Shame uh, picking either side in this one. Uh, next one, women's flyweight. This one should be far farther up the card. They're both fan favorites. I don't know why it's buried so down low, but it doesn't really matter because it's all in ESPN anyhow. Women's flyweights, Tracy Cortez, super fan Jong's girlfriend, don't tell Brian Ortiz, um, versus Amanda do you mean, do you mean Do you mean Brian Ortega? <laughs> Brian Ortiz. Who's Brian Ortiz? David Ortiz? Brian Ortiz. I don't think I don't, there is a Brian Ortiz. I'm sure there is, but... I mean. If oh you're gosh. Brian Ortiz and you're listening, hit us up. Yeah, and if Tracy Cortez is your fiance, hit us up. I think if, yeah, it's Brian Ortega is what I meant to say. Maybe it was the court, maybe it was the Cortez, but maybe it was the fact that you complimented the old old man here and unremembering something before. And uh, I think I can just freestyle here. So uh, versus the delightful Amanda Heba, so I watched an interview with her again because uh, I can't get enough of her interviews. Like, you ask your normal question and it turns into chaos. Hey, did you have you by chance checked out her? Um, you, you know the the writer Alex Bakunin who does those uh those little bios of just like the shit they like. It's called the oh the yeah yeah humanizing I've yeah I've yeah. seen it before yeah yeah they're great. Find his one on Amanda Hebas oh, because boy. literally all of the answers are written in her voice and it's oh no way. it's in, it's incredible. It's just not <laughs> like stop laughing. You can just hear her saying everything, and it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I just saw an interview probably from today, and it was like, you, you ask her a normal question, and it's all like sound effects and laughing. And <laughs> yeah. maybe may a little much if you're with her 24-7, but anyhow, um, we are not. So it doesn't matter in this fight. This fight is a pick em fight. Um, currently, I'll, I'll tell you about... Cortez first. Uh, she is 10 and one, one knockout, one submission. So she's not a finisher. She's been submitted one time. She's four and zero in the UFC, one and zero in the Contender Series. She's won 10 straight fights since losing her uh, debut. She's not lost since August of 2017. Gumby had no children then. I, I can guarantee that. Um, she's missed weight in the past. She did used to fight up at bantamweight. She was two and one in Invicta. She's two inches taller than Hibas. She's outstruck her UFC opponents by 1.24 strikes per minute. Minus 110 number on her. He boss 11 and three, three knockouts, four submissions. She's been knocked out twice, five and two in the UFC. She's gotten loss, win, loss over her last three. Used to fight at strawweight, mostly fought at strawweight until recently. Multiple regional championships on her. Mantle. An inch of reach on Cortez. More active landing strikes. She's outstruck her UFC opponents by 1.89 strikes per minute. Minus 110 on her. She was a slight favorite to open up the week and now this has moved i guess money's moved in on cortez or smart money's moved in on cortez and the number has changed uh 
I was thinking I was going to pick Cortez, even though I'm a Hebas fan, but diving into it more and, and doing the research, I am actually siding with Hebas on this one. Um, resume is a big thing. Like Cortez really has not fought anyone that good yet. And, and Hebas fights, only fights good people, basically. And she's only lost to Caitlin Chukagian and Mahina Hadhigas. So she's only lost to the elite people. She's a very good grappler going up against someone who relies on wrestling slash grappling. Um, not much of a striker, but probably a better striker than Cortez. Now they've really um, relying on striking to get the job done. Better finisher. Um, and like I said, like mostly it, it comes down to um, the resume uh, with her. And she's had more high level uh, competition as it is. Cortez kind of had an easy schedule up to this point. Uh, maybe that's why I haven't been impressed too much with her in the past. The size is a bit of a concern, even though uh, Hebas is the same height. Or I think she's a few inches shorter. Uh, she's she's got an inch of reach, but it's it's the fact that we have strawweight going up, former strawweight going up against a former bantamweight. It's a bit of a concern, especially in the grappling area. And um, I would rather Heba stay at strawweight, but maybe it's not healthy for her to stay at that weight. But regardless, despite those caveats, uh, Heba is my pick. Yeah, so it's interesting that you started on Cortez and moved yep. to Hebas on this fight because I literally did the opposite. Oh, okay. Uh, I had a feeling I, you were going to pick Cortez, so I had you're a, doing what I, I thought. And I, I like I like Hebas a lot, um, and, and I have faded Cortez uh, odd amount yeah. of times in yeah. in our picks. But here's the thing. I, that size thing really worries me. Yeah. Um, because Amanda Hebas, if you go back and you look at how she was doing when she was down at strawweight, right? Um, you know, she took down Marina Hadhigas one at one time. She took down Paige Van Zandt almost seemingly super easy. She took down Random Marco. She took down Mackenzie Dern. She and she took all of those people down at really high rates, right? She she took down uh, Mackenzie Dern two out of two times. Uh, she took Paige Van Zandt one out of one times. She took down Marina Hadhigas one out of one times. She moved up and fought Caitlin Chokagian, somebody with not particularly good takedown defense. She failed half of the time. And for me, that's a worry because, first of all, Caitlin Chokagian is not somebody who I consider to be like a bully in the clinch and somebody who uses her weight really well. You know, she's a she's a distance striker and somebody who yells a whole lot. And he, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. It already her size bothered Amanda Hebas to the point where she lost the fight. And for me, Tracy Cortez, that's where she's best. So, like, Amanda Hebas, you know, I think she could probably strike from distance and beat Tracy Cortez. But the thing is, what she does best is get in the clinch and, and make it dirty and grapple and stuff like that. And I don't think she's got that here. I, I think, actually, Tracy Cortez is going to have the advantages here. I think Tracy Cortez is going to put her on her back because we've actually seen that a couple of times, too. Hebas, not always the best at defending takedowns. Like, she gave up some, some to Jandaroba. She gave up some to Marcos. Um, and I think the size is just going to be too much for here. So I, I'm on Cortez in this one. Yep. Um, I, I can see both sides, as I said. So, oh, something I was going to mention earlier when we were talking about Marcelo Rojo. Um, is James Cross allowed to corner these guys? This so weekend? I, I, um, hoof. I, uh, I interviewed Rojo before. There's a hoof? Yeah. Well, I interviewed Rojo before all of that came out. Okay. okay. I interviewed TJ Brown afterwards. Downtown TJ Brown. Uh, who was also training out of that same gym. He yeah. had told him that I, I wouldn't ask about it because uh, okay. he wanted to talk about his fight. And, and he didn't ask me not to, but I did yeah. tell him that, like, to put him at ease. I'm like, I'm not just going to jam 85 James Cross questions in your face. So uh, I, I, I so we don't know them. 
I, I don't have answers for you now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot. Um, all right. What are we going to move on to now? Let's move on to back to the back to the men's side. Featherweights, Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. I will tell you about Mr. The Damage first. Darren Elkins, 27 and 10, nine knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out four times, submitted once. He's 17 and nine in the UFC. He's been around a bit. Uh, three and one over his last four fights. Did win his last fight. Used to fight at featherweight, was a regional champ. 2007 was his pro MMA debut. He has outstruck his opponents over those 26 UFC fights by 0.36 strikes per minute, 0.36, uh, plus 365, the number on him. Um, JSP Pierce with the sacrilegious nickname. He's 13 and 4, nine knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. Four and one in the UFC, dropped his debut, won four straight. Won his last fight via TKO. Has not lost since October of 2019. Used to fight at lightweight, used to fight at bantamweight. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series, 2-0 in Bellator. Two inches of height on Elkins, eight years younger than him. 1.6 times more active landing strikes in the UFC than Elkins is. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 2.16 strikes per minute. Very nice number there. Uh, grappling stats in his favor over Elkins as well. Minus 495. That's in his favor as, uh, also. So go ahead. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I, I mean, no no reason to not pick Pierce here. Th- this really feels like one of those fights where you're at, the, it's going to end and you're going to be like, oof, it's a great thing that uh, he's durable. It's a good thing Elkins is durable because he's just going to get mauled here. Like, th- this is going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. So, uh, yeah, give me give me JSP. There, there's not really much to say. Like, what what's Alkins past the victory here? I, I mean, draw one for me. No, I can't. Um, there's a lot of um, unfortunate lines on this card. I've had some people online talking about it too. It's it's going to be kind of a tricky the one. Unfortunate line though. Like, I, I think you can no. just I think no, you I just mean there's a lot of big up. lines. Yeah, I think you could toss this in a parlay and it wouldn't be awful. Oh, throw it. You mean throw it in a parlay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're changing our branding to toss. We, we can't do that. <laughs> All right, lightweights. Michael Johnson versus Mark Diacasey. Um, There's a few fighters coming up, and you're like, oh, that guy's still in the UFC. Yes, Michael Johnson is still in the UFC. Michael the Menace Johnson. 20 and 18. Nine knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted nine times. 12 and 14 in the UFC. He's gone one and five over his last six. Lost his last fight. Used to fight at featherweight. Four and all in the ultimate fighter. Multiple regional championships on his mantle. 2008 pro MMA debut. 1.6 times more active landing strikes than DKC. He's outstruck his UFC opponents uh, despite the losing record uh, with a 0.29 strikes per minute plus 255, the number for Johnson. Mark Bone Crusher DKC. 16 and 5, six knockouts, one submission. He's been submitted twice. Seven and five in the UFC. He's won two straight. And four of six, multiple regional championships on his. Mantle. Yes, seven years younger than Johnson. Uh, 0.30 strikes per minute. He's outstruck his UFC opponents. Minus 325. Is it you? Is it me? It's you. Okay. I, I'm not sure if I um, clarified. I'm taking Pierce as well. I don't think I said it out Every, loud. Everybody yes. and their cousin. You, you did say <laughs> that you couldn't draw a path to victory for Elkins. Yes, so okay. I, I think that I think that justifies I, it. I, I just have to be on record uh, with my official pick. All right. Uh, DKC also is my official pick. Yeah, he's he's been opening some eyes with the his underrated wrestling. Maybe he's not underrated now because people have, have seen it as of late. But uh, he's fighting the guy well, well, well past his prime here. Um, not really the matchup i would have liked dkc to uh, see him to get step up in competition but nonetheless um johnson's not the easiest guy to take down but i, I think dkc will will handle him in this fight um 
he he can crack a little bit too if if the wrestling doesn't happen then johnson could be primed for a knockout so dkc is the pick i don't know i don't i don't know that that uh, there, there's any real path to victory here for Johnson either. This is another like one-sided beatdown. Um, Dia Casey's got the wrestling. I think you could see him dominate that way. Like you said, I, I think on the feet he could probably crack him. You know, John Johnson's just, you know, uh, he's one of those guys who I just think is kind of past his point where he doesn't really have a goal for what he's fighting for anymore. He, he's 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 fighting still and he's here, but it's not like he doesn't believe he's going to be champion anymore and he doesn't seem to be making any improvements as a result of it. Yep. All right. Lightweights. Clay Guida versus Scott Holtzman. <laughs> yes. Clay Guida. Still in the UFC. I, I told you there's some blasts from the past coming up here. Clay the Carpenter Guida, 37 and 22, seven knockouts, 14 submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted 11 times, 17 and 16 in the UFC. He's on win loss win over his last four. Got submitted in his last fight. Used to fight down at Featherweight. He was 1-0 in WEC. Never die. 1-1 in Strikeforce and the champion there. 2003 was his pro MMA debut. Grappling stats in his favor over Holtzman. He's got inch reach on him as well. He's been outstruck in the UFC by 0.22 strikes per minute. So he's got a negative striking differential. Grappling stats are in his favor as well. Osh already said that. Grappling stats are in his favor over Holtzman. And the number for Guida on the board, plus 130. Hot Sauce Holtzman, 14 to 5, five knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out twice, seven and five in the UFC. He's lost two straight, and he's won two of his last five. He got knocked out in both of his last two fights. Uh, he's not fought since April of 2021. He's not won since February of 2020. He was the XFC <clears throat> champion. 2012 was his pro MMA debut. Two year, two inches taller than Guida, two years younger. He's 1.7 times more active landing strikes. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.74 strikes per minute in the UFC minus 155. Over to you. You know, it's funny. This one, I was on Guida early, mostly because I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm an absolutely massive Clay Guida fan. I know people hate him. I, I love Clay Guida what's, so much. What's there to hate about him? I, you know, I, I think the same thing all the time. I'm like, why are people hating on Clay? Dude, there's no good reason to hate Clay Guida. The dude is yeah. a ball of energy. He's fun as hell to watch. He's, you know, infinitely positive. I interviewed him one time. He was like the nicest dude on the whole planet. Um, I'm picking Scott Holtzman. Uh, <laughs> the the reason here is Scott Holtzman is coming off of three consecutive fights against grapplers. Um, and you mentioned he's coming off back-to-back knockout losses. Both Benil Dariush and Matthews Gamera knocked him out. Both guys we think of grapplers. But at the end of the day, two guys who are, what, top 10 lightweights in the world? Yeah. Um. And before that, he fought Jim Miller. Do you know what those guys were a combined trying to take down Scott Holtzman? They were. I two, looked it up, but I don't remember. Go ahead. They were two of nine combined. Gamrot was two of five, which is why he needed to knock out Holtzman. Benil Dariush went zero of two, and Jim Miller went zero of two. So like he is going in there against guys who are phenomenal grapplers, and he's stuffing them. And the the beauty here is, in addition to that, he's going to have a massive size advantage in terms of, like, muscle against Clay Guida. And at the end of the day, he doesn't have to worry about Guida's hands. It's not like Guida's going in there and knocking him out. So, you know, originally I was in on Guida on this one. I was thinking about him as a good upset pick. I do think Holtzman is the right player, and I I actually think the number is pretty good. Yeah, I I was very similar boat as you. I was seriously – I had Holtzman originally just – automatic pick and then 
I'm like, I should dig into this more. And I was thinking Guida, but yeah, I, I couldn't find anything really to uh, to favor uh, favor him enough to to take him here. Um, Holtzman's almost the same age as him. That's the one thing that's that's a bit of an issue. But that yeah. dude surprises me at how old he is. But I think it's yeah. because I, I don't know if you know MMA was like his second sport. He was a college hockey player. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and and so he wound up in MMA. I think he started a little later. Yeah. So better resume by far, as Gumby said. He's he's grappling is is probably on par with Guida. Um, At least defensively. At least yeah. defensively. Maybe not offensively, but defensively it is. More, more active on the feet, striking, and um, Guida's basically only beat washed up people <laughs> as of late. So um, like Michael Johnson, for instance. So Holtzman is the pick, but we both wanted to pick Guida if that means anything. So all right, back to the ladies. This is the last female fight on the card, unfortunately. Women's strawweight. Angela Hill versus Emily Ducote versus Ducote. I always say your name wrong. It's Ducote. I said uh, Ducote okay. last time and yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it sounds French, but she's not. She's an American with a Brazilian nickname and a French last name. Um, Angela Hill first, though, overkill Hill. 14 to 12, been knocked, uh, five knockouts. She's been submitted twice. The only time she's been finishing the fight. Nine and 12 in the UFC over two stints. She's won one of her last four, two of her last seven. She did win her last fight, though, and she went 0-1 in the Ultimate Fighter, 4-0 in Invicta, and was the champion there. Used to fight up at Flyweight. Was a pro kickboxer. She got inch height, inch reach on Dakota. She has outstruck her UFC opponents by 0.38 strikes per minute. Grappling stats are in her favor over Dakota, plus 100. Gardenia, which means chubby. Um, chubby Emily is 12-6, three knockouts, four submissions. She's been submitted once. She's 1-0 in the UFC. That's part of a four-fight winning streak. She's not lost since November 2019. She went 4-1 in Invicta and is the champ, was the champion there, too. So we have two former Invicta champs going head-to-head here. She went 4-4 four four in Bellator. Used to fight at flyweight. She's nine years younger than Hill. I think that's a big uh, number right there. Striking and active striking stats in her favor over Hill, but it's based off of one fight. She outstruck her original UFC opponent by 3.53 strikes per minute, minus 120. Is it me? It's me. Yeah, I'm taking Ducat. Uh, I look. I I fade Angela Hill more often than I probably should. You know, she's not as bad as I often make her out to be. But look, look, she's she's somebody who's kind of gotten by on being able to like bully people when they're up against the cage, and she she's wanted to you know point fight from distance. Ducat is just a better version of that, right? Like Ducat can mix it up in the clinch. She's got a little bit of wrestling if she absolutely needs it. But, like, we saw what she just did to Jessica Penne's legs. She made it so Jessica Penne could not walk. Um, and, and is Angela Hill a better striker than Jessica Penne? Sure. But how much? I'm not sure. Uh, and Ducat, I think, is just sharper, younger, faster. I think she can stay out of enough of those clinch exchanges. I think she should be fine here. Yeah. Um, Angela Hill, super popular fighter, but it's her popularity outstrips what she's actually done in the cage. Um Dakota's uh, a legit prospect, I think, too. I keep saying I, legit I prospect, so. but yeah. So she should have no pro- problem here. And I well, I shouldn't say no problem because Hill seems to be a problem for lots of people. But um, she's a pick, and I definitely like that number uh, at minus 120. All right, to the main event of sorts of the prelims. Walter Waits, Nico Price versus Philip Rowe. Rowe, the Fresh Prince, Philip Rowe. Nine and three, five knockouts, three sum- uh, four submissions. He's been knocked out once. So he's finished every one of his opponents by my math there. Uh, two and one in the UFC. Both of his wins have come over his last two fights and both via TKO. He has missed weight before. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series. Used to fight at lightweight. 
three inches of height on price, four inches reach, striking stats in his favor over price. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.36 strikes per minute, plus 120, the number on him. And Nico, the hybrid price, 15 to five with two no contests. He's got 10 knockouts, three submissions. Been knocked out three times, submitted once. Seven and five with two no contests in the UFC. He's got one and two with one no contest over his last, what is that, four, four fights. He did win his last fight, though, but that was back in October of 2021, so he's been out of the cage for over a year. Uh, let's check that stat. I track those stats, too. Okay, fighters who have had at least a year off are winning 46% of the time. This year, they're, they're winning 43%, so a little less than, than 50% there. Um, what else we got for you or for Price? Was a regional champ. 2012 was his pro MMA debut. He's more active landing strikes than Roe is. However, he's been outstruck by his opponents. Uh, about half a strike per minute. He's at minus 0.51 strikes to be exact. Grappling stats in his favor over row, minus 140. I'm going to differ from Gumby. I know who Gumby's picking from listening to his podcast. Uh, I'll take the ah. underdog underdog in row. Um, as as one of our friends on Twitter let me know, Nico Price has like seven kids and he's uh, <laughs> he seems like he's pretty much spent. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the lead dog coming off back-to-back TKOs. Nico Price, kind of inconsistent. Not the greatest. Um, he's been on the cage for over a year. He's got a four-inch reach disadvantage here. So um, give me the finisher and the more fresher, younger fighter in Philip Rowe. Here's the problem I have uh, with going with Philip Rowe on this. And you're right. I am going to go with Nico Price here. I worry, first of all, Nico Price, I think, could implement a wrestling game because Rowe winds up on his back enough. But the bigger problem I have here with Philip Rowe is, is that – Nico Price doesn't get knocked out. Um, and, you know, like with the exception of taking a 7,000 punch beatdown from Vicente Luque, he's gone to decision three times in a row. And he's gone to decision three times in a row against people who have hit him a lot, including Michelle Pereira, hit him a hundred times. And that dude just kept walking forward. That Donald Cerrone fight was insane. Cerrone landed 113 punches and Price landed 150. So like while he has some old knockouts on his record back in the day where he was getting finished, like he just doesn't seem to get finished anymore. He's got good durability. It seems to have come out of nowhere. Could Philip Rowe change that around and knock him out? Maybe, but like, I I don't know. Like Philip Rowe doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to outbox him. And I also think just like, the strength of schedule for Nico Price versus Philip Rowe is insane, right? Like Vicente Luque twice, uh, Jeff Neal, Donald Cerrone. And on the other side, we're talking about like, okay, he knocked out Jason Witt, who threw the dumbest jumping knee I've ever seen in my whole life. After That was fun. After scoring four takedowns, and then he threw that thing. Um, or, or Ryan Kloske, again, a, another notorious wrestler, got knocked out on his feet. Leon Shavazian, the worst of the two Shavazian brothers, no. got knocked out from him. And the, when you have a decent technical striker in there who can mix in a couple of takedowns and somebody like Gabe Green, they outclassed Phil Rowe. So, yeah, like I, I hear your point about the the pass that they're on. But at the end of the day, just like I, I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Phil Rowe. All right. Well, you, you've got to get some picks different than me because uh, I have to win every week. So that's just the way it goes. So good. Go ahead. Well, die, had, in Nico, had, die in Nico Price Hill. <laughs> I'm not going to die on the Nico Price Hill because like no. this this is my pick and I do think he's going to win. But at the end of the day, I'm for the three that we differ on in this one, yeah. which is uh, Francis Marshall, Marcelo Rowe, or uh, no, Gennaro Valdez versus Natan Levy, Amanda Hibas versus Tracy Cortez. And then this one, 
I'm going to say I don't feel super confident about any of those. Like, those are yeah. insanely tight fights. And I know a lot of people in the Discord said, you know, like they were feeling a ton of, you know, underdogs on this card. I don't know that I'm feeling a ton of underdogs. I feel like there are a ton of underdogs that could win. Yeah. You know, like this one, you know, if, if he won, would it shock me? Hell no. Uh, no. Would it shock me if Valdez wins? No. Would it shock me if, if Guida sometimes squeaked that one out? Probably not. So, like, there are a lot of dogs who could win. But at the end of the day, yeah, like, I I went pretty chalky here. Yeah, you did. Uh, let's recap. He's got Nico Price. I have Roe. We both have Ducat. We both have Holtzman. We both have DKC. We both have Pierce. Gumby has Cortez. I have Hibas. Gumby has Valdez. I have Levy. We both have Marshall. We both have How Reggae. So I've got what? You've got one dog. Then one's a pick 'em. Um, and you see. got one dog and a pick 'em. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. right. All right, there both, you go. Both a dog and a pick 'em. So we're, we're going to get destroyed on the on the prelims that means dan <laughs> all dogs. dogs are due after the past few events dogs are due um yeah let me see what's our what's our stat favorites win six still are still winning 67 percent of the time over the past what three years since i tracked this or so we only we're only picking about 18 percent yep. here and on the 68 percent this year so um 68 percent in 2022 so the little ahead of uh ahead of the overall trend all right that's our mammoth Nine fight breakdown. We'll be back tomorrow with a six fight breakdown. Pretty big as well. Um, until that time, the Discord we've mentioned before, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Get in there. Have lots of fun with us chatting the fights or whatever else you're into. We have a channel for everything in there. Um, what else can I tell you about? I told you about Top Turtle, Gumby's podcast. We told you who's on it this week. If, if you didn't hear us say that, go back and rewind. Listen. We gave you hints on who actually we came right out and told you who Gumby interviews this week. So listen to Top Turtle. Uh, follow us on Twitter, SGPN MMA. I'm Jeff Fox, writer. He's Gumby Breland. And read all our stuff, obviously, and read everyone's stuff at sportsgumbypodcast.com. My full prediction article is up there now. And my uh, DraftKings article for this event will be up sometime on Thursday for you. And make sure you get into my get in my free pick'em contest and subscribe to my Substack, moneymma.substack.com. That's all you need to know. We'll be back in your ears, as I said, tomorrow. Until that time, I will remain Gordina Jeff Fox. He will remain the Fresh Prince of Massachusetts, Massachusetts Gumby Breland. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>